Welcome to the conversation with Priya. I'm your host Priya Mishra. Today our guest is Mukund Satnarayanan. Is currently serving as the chief executive officer of a leading consulting firm Concept to Consumer. Having its business in India and Singapore, he has also served as the CEO of WeCare Group, a leading Indian health and wellness brand for about 10 years. With more than 22 years of experience in food processing, pharmaceutical manufacturing and cosmetic science, he also holds good experience in national supplement and functional food. He has formulated more than 400 cosmetic formulation and 100 nutritional supplement. He is a member of Society of Cosmetic uh, chemists, UK American Oil Chemist Society National Association of Holistic uh, Aromatherapy, Comoplimetry uh, Medical Association UK, etc. Also an executive board member of NG India business member. He has done four international presentation and nine national presentation on various subjects related to health and wellness. He has recently published a paper on uh, legend-based drug design for COVID-19, a multifaceted uh, approach using a legend design, uh, molecular docking, and a binding probability calculation is an international journal. He's also an ex-exert faculty in subject like aromatherapy, naturopath, Psychology and cosmetic science, etc. So, help me to welcome today in our show conversation with Priya, Mr. Mukul. Hello and welcome to the conversation with Priya. Thank you for joining in today, Mukundan. Um, can you tell me something about you, about your journey today? Uh, well, uh... I'm Mukundan. I'm basically a, a chemical engineer by profession. Uh, I did my chemical engineering from uh, Lakshminarayan Institute of Technology, Nagpur. Uh, after that, uh, for a very short period, I was in the polymer industry for about a year. Uh, then I shifted my uh, career to uh, the cosmetics and wellness segment. Uh, I started my career in cosmetic industry uh, with a company called Cabin Care. Uh, where I worked in various uh, capacities as a product development manager, uh, as a production manager. Uh, then I uh, moved to a company called uh, uh, TTK LIG, uh, where we used to manufacture uh, uh, Durex, uh, the contraceptives. Uh, I was a internal auditor there, and uh, I was a product development uh, manager there. And... Uh, 2006, I moved to a company called WeCare as the chief executive officer. And it was a very long stint. Uh, I was there till 2015. In 2015, uh, I started my company, Concepts to Consumer, uh, with the basic idea to provide uh, technical services to companies involved in uh, pharma, cosmetics, and food production. Uh, in 2018, we established an office in uh, Singapore as well. Sure. And now uh, we are uh, extending services uh, to close to around 40, 45 companies, uh, rather I would say the major part of Asia and a few countries uh, outside as well. Sure. Our focus is more now on uh, the food industry and especially after Corona, uh, we are able to see a very good surge in the food industry. And we are also contributing to the wellness and uh, pharma industry to a greater extent. But sure. we confine ourselves to this and uh, 
80% of the services what we provide uh, is of technical origin and uh, uh, some services uh, we also provide in the sales and marketing sector. Sure. Me and uh, uh, concepts to consumer. Okay. Okay, so it, you you have a long journey and you have worked in a multiple product and multiple segment of the business. What is the concepts to consumer and its scope of services extended? Could you elaborate on that? Yeah. Uh, see, when, we, uh, when I came out of my uh, uh, job and when I had an intention to start a consulting uh, company, uh, I thought that uh, my services uh, should start from conceptualizing a thing that is uh, making a concept ready and I need to provide a service where uh, it should extend till reaching the consumer. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's how the name Concepts to Consumer uh, came in. Uh, we started delivering services uh, which include technical sales and marketing, uh, even to some extent uh, providing them uh, financial services like uh, preparing a DPR and all those things. Yeah. Uh, but over a period of time, uh, because of the requirements, because of the heavy demand from the technical uh, segment, yeah. we confined ourselves to the uh, technical aspects. Yeah. And uh, see, turnkey projects is uh, one of our uh, major segment. We extend uh, turnkey services to companies involved in food processing, uh, pharma processing and cosmetics. Yeah. So, Right from uh, the concept building up to so I mean sourcing of missionaries, erection, commissioning, validation, uh, we extend services. So apart from that, uh, we are very strong in formulations. Mm. We do develop formulations for the uh, cosmetic and pharma and food industries. So we right. have done close to we have done close to 400 plus cosmetic formulations and uh, 200 plus uh, nutritional supplements. Mm. And about uh, 70 to 8 uh, generic food products. And uh, the third important uh, specialization of concept to consumer is uh, the regulatory approvals and registrations. Sure. So uh, we, in fact, had a concept called Gateway to India, mm. where uh, any foreign companies who want to come and sell their products in the Indian market, right. we do all the regulatory registrations for them. It may be oh, FDA okay. or it may be FSSA. So any of this registration, uh, we do that. And apart from that, uh, any Indian company who want to uh, export their products to the other uh, segments, yeah. maybe SARC or uh, GCC or ASEAN or yeah. EU or uh, US. So we do registrations for them uh, in those countries. And okay. uh, for that purpose, we uh, have uh, uh, contracts signed with uh, various uh, regulatory agencies in those countries as well. Right. So, so you are offering varieties of services to the different segment and, and different kind of uh, people who wants to come from overseas to India and India to overseas. So it's yeah, like you yeah. cover all end-to-end aspects. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's that's very interesting because there are a lot of um, people are looking forward for those kind of support, especially there when the a kind of a wave is going on for the made in India concept. So it's really yeah. going to be very supportive for those businesses who really want to approach from India to Australia and Australia to India or any any part of the world, uh, which yeah. is very interesting aspect. So that brings to my next question. Food, food processing has been one of the sector which has not been impacted by the recent COVID-19 
epidemic on the contrary yes. demand for processed food has risen due to the safety concerns and minimal contact norms what do you think the industry has to do to grow further and maintain the current growth rate like uh, the, uh, see as you said the food industry is uh, growing phenomenally yeah uh, especially after corona uh, there are two good reasons i would say one is uh, uh, people have been ideal for uh, one or two months yeah uh, the consumption pattern increased to a greater extent uh, yeah. the reason for the growth of the generic foods is this that because of the increase in the consumption uh, the industry went up yeah there is another specific area where there has been growth is the uh, nutritional supplement segment yeah of uh, late you know uh, in the last 10 years the supplement industry is growing like anything yeah. so in uh, in uh, uh, i mean uh, it was 2008 when i first entered into this uh, nutritional supplement food supplement segment yeah it is really difficult to make people differentiate between a drug and a supplement Yeah. So yeah. people say that this is also coming in capsule. That is also coming in capsule. Yeah. So what is the difference? Uh, I mean, uh, so that was the level. But in the last three four years, we are able to see a lot of awareness happening in the food supplement side. Yeah. And uh, uh, this industry, I mean, uh, as I said, the generic food industry, whatever growth has happened earlier. Like. Uh, Uh, since the people were uh, indoors their consumption pattern uh, increased and because of that there has been an increase in the generic food supplements i mean food segment mm. but as far as the supplement segment is uh, concerned especially after corona a uh, lot of uh, awareness has got developed so people have started thinking that uh, either they should uh, start consuming the food supplements or they should resort to uh, natural foods in order to keep their immunity high and in order to uh, have a trouble free life yeah so on a longer run, on a longer run if you see the natural food segment mm. and the food supplement industry they are going to have a very huge uh, growth yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, so the processed foods uh, it is having a increase but mm. uh, my prediction is that on a longer run Uh, there might be a dip in the processed food industry, and slowly it would be replaced by the natural food industry, or at yeah. least to an extent, at yeah. least to an extent that uh, uh, environment-friendly ingredients and health-friendly ingredients uh, will be given a due consideration, rather than uh, the palatability of the products. Yeah. So as as we can see, there is a very big interest coming up in the organic industry, and it's growing really fast. Even though, despite it is very costly, it's it's a growth we can see. So, what are the factors besides hygiene and, and look looks to companies have to focus on? Okay. See the the organic. I, I mean, I have been. Uh, I mean, it's more of my interest which have brought which has brought me to the. organic segment yeah though i connected to the organic food processing uh, i may not I, i i can say that i may not be much connected with the organic cultivation but yeah. my interest towards subject has driven me close towards that and uh, we represent uh, nearly three organic certification bodies in sure. india yeah so we we assist our clients in getting them uh, certified 
the only case is there is an uh, uh, apparent organic industry i would say like uh, the products are not uh, real to the standards mm. that is that is one of the biggest challenges the organic industry is facing mm. uh, i would say there are there are uh, two things as far as an organic uh, certification is concerned one is called as uh, uh, scope certificate yeah which says that your company is a uh, certified organic brand or a yeah. certified organic company and after that uh, uh, whether your product is really organic or not that depends upon a certification called as pc called transfer certificate yeah which has to which has to offer consignment uh, uh, which is being sold yeah so uh, really speaking in many countries uh, including india people manage the manufacturers they manage with the scope certificate mm. they just show the scope certificate and say that my company is organic certified yeah But really yeah. speaking we don't know whether uh, the product what they sell is a uh, certified organic product or not so this situation is taking a change but uh, a lot of uh, awareness among people is required uh, for this to transform yeah for sure and uh, the second point the second point with respect to uh, uh, the price if you say mm. uh, an incremental price of around 30 to 35% is fairly good but uh, we are we are saying we are seeing really not a fact mm. uh, because uh, when you yes i i i accept that uh, the organic cultivation is uh, a little uh, expensive but only at the initial stages yeah yeah it is like when you transform from a, a, a traditional uh, fertilizer based cultivation to an organic cultivation yeah there is a, uh, there is a drop of around 30 to 35% uh, uh, yeah in the first and to second year mm. and uh, the, the cost of your inputs the organic fertilizer will also go up in the first and second year but but at the end of four years when you really achieve the certification status it is like uh, your input cost is nearly 50% of your previous case and your yield is more by 20 25% yeah so i have uh, personally felt this uh, and and the only incremental cost could be like the cost of certification uh, yeah you need to pay a, a fair, fair uh, certification fee and the transcription i mean transfer certificate fee only yeah. that is going to add to your cost so mm-hmm. I, i think uh, cost of around 30 35% more than the conventional thing uh, is not possible and if it is sold at double or triple it is just being high so yeah. uh, on a longer run i would say the price may not be a big challenging factor in the organic industry uh, yeah yeah so yeah that's for sure but i'm just saying that that in this growing demand of organic product particularly in the west yeah. and uh, the reason like what is the reason for this and what does the industry needs to do to spread its reach in yeah. the east because the the that, way east is actually changing um our food habits is have completely changed the eastern part of the yeah. world you know so and western society is adopting a lot on the organic side right and it is a huge demand a lot of people are becoming vegans and all and the organic food demand is actually increasing 
um, ensure the country like India is actually trying to fulfill the people who are from the Eastern world, try to fulfill that kind of organic cultivation and everything. But how we can actually make this, inject this into the local public? You know, how, what's the company um, and, the, and the organizations are working towards it? See, uh, even in India, I would say that uh, in the last few years, uh, a good awareness is uh, getting developed. But one thing is, uh, I mean, people even without uh, verifying the facts, they develop a perception that organic food is costly. That is that is one of the things I, I have personally clarified to many of my known people. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes when they say this, I personally take them to the market. I show them that what is the price difference there. And uh, we explain them that what is the difference between a traditionally cultivated food and an organic cultivated food. What is the impact it is going to have on their health? Yeah, yeah. Uh, transformation. And what rather I would think is when, when the competition level increases, mm. when more people get into the organic business, then automatically uh, the yes. price war will start. Yes, and the supply the chain. Are going to yeah. Yeah. Uh, already we are seeing this impact. The prices have started coming down. Yeah. So definitely over the next three, four years, uh, India would become one of the largest. And I'm sure there are a lot of part of the India is like, you see, uh, our, if you see our population, it's majority of people are living into the countryside, you know. And uh, I think if we live in a more countryside, we are adopted to the organic without calling it organic you know, organic, organic word, but we are adopted to the organic food, right? I, like if I'll see my life, uh, my past life growing in the village site, it tells me that I actually grew up with the very organic food. I, we had the cow farm, we had the, you know, all that farms and the vegetables and the grain is grown in-house. And uh, our parents were very particular about following the traditional way of farming, you know. So it is an organic living style of most of the villages. And a lot of people in in country like India and the developing country, they cannot afford the high quality, costly fertilizers. Yeah. Right. So they adopt to the natural one, you know, uh, because it's readily available. So um, do you consider it's if we are not defining the certified way of organic, it is not an organic no, actually, uh, I would say that uh, it's other way around in India. <laughs> uh, like uh, today, if you see uh, the inorganic the fertilizers, the chemical fertilizers tend to be more cheaper than uh, the organic fertilizers. For sure. And uh, the major thing is uh, with respect to the transformation which should happen in a farmer, uh, when it takes a period of four years uh, for getting converted to an organic uh, platform, uh, the small farmers really face it as a challenge that they cannot wait for two years or more than two years uh, to adapt the uh, to reap the benefits of that. Yeah. So and the other facts like uh, the apparent green revolution which happened in India before forty years, the white revolution, all these things, mm. they have forced even the village farmers to adapt to uh, chemical fertilizers uh, rather than the organic uh, way of doing it. Yeah. And. Uh, I would say it's happening in the reverse way now that people from the city, after acquiring the knowledge about the organic uh, farming, we are in fact educating the village farmers 
to again getting retransformed into the organic sector this is this yeah. is the exact thing which is happening in uh, india now and we really feel it difficult i conduct a lot of awareness program among farmers so we really feel it difficult uh, bringing back the farmer from uh, 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 from the traditional chemical fertilizer way into an uh, organic segment yeah and yeah. Uh, even the the fertilizer companies they are they are very strongly inculcating a point in their mind that uh, uh, the organic fertilizers are very expensive and your yield is going to come down yeah it's kind of a negative marketing going on yeah, from yeah. their own so, interest <laughs> yeah facing a lot of challenges uh, in this but segment wise a lot of changes are happening yeah uh, and for example your your a2 milk which was not known before 3 uh, years it has become very common now in uh, india yeah and even i am saying people in cities they are able to spend uh, double the amount to get an a2 milk rather than a1 milk yeah so wow. i think uh, next 5 6 years it is going to be the real period of transformation yeah and definitely uh, considering the pollution rather complexities uh, here people will definitely turn to organic we are we yeah. are very confident about that yeah i'm sure i mean i'm looking forward to that because com- considering the government is bringing a lot of um our whole indian traditional way yeah. of you know farming and all and they are there huge support coming for the farmers and direct selling appro- approach and yeah. you know, getting giving them the more benefit and i've been looking at that recent bills and all from the government they have actually introduced it's very interesting changes is happening the local yes. public might not be ready yet they are not well educated it will take time but the the new policies are coming up which is very very strong towards the farming yes. industry fmcg industry is going to transform hugely especially when i was looking into the milk industry like the the mm. animal industry because we don't do too much animal farming like western people does um, but it, when we say western farming it's more of a milk product related uh, rather than the you know animal meats and uh, related but interesting changes are happening in that one so going yes. forward i'm hoping that indian traditional medicine especially in ayurveda and siddha is going to actually take place more into the indian lifestyle because that's our past and it also benefited us in a long life you know we we used to be a green belt but now we are actually facing lot of challenges due to the pollution due to the food style and lifestyle everything is actually challenging yeah. us right so do you see the future um, coming up ayurveda and siddha is coming about you know in at front of the yeah, see, uh, definitely there is a growth there is an improvement uh, there are two things it is like uh, from the people's perception things have changed a lot like uh, uh, even in western countries people uh, prefer using uh, ayurvedic and siddha medicines uh, uh, for just a, for a little information i would say uh, some 6 months back uh, siddha was recognized as uh, one of the official uh, uh, and uh, permitted system of uh, medicine in new zealand very and uh, so i mean uh, definitely from the people's perception uh, things are improving a lot yeah uh, one of the major challenges the ayurvedic and the siddha industry is facing today is the regulatory standards yeah uh, so generally across the world it's a perception that uh, Uh, the, the traditional medicines it may be siddha or ayurveda or yunani uh, uh, or uh, arabic medicine or uh, it may be dcm even traditional chinese medicine yeah uh, 
there is a perception that um, uh, i mean uh, the standards are not followed simply uh, so for the approval of this uh, these medicines every country has put forth very very stringent uh, yeah. norms uh, there is a gap between the practitioners also uh, they are of a hard mindset that uh, only those traditional methods of manufacturing provide effective results which is practically uh, uh, i would not agree with that uh, and as we chemical engineers uh, we are seriously involved in transforming the thing yeah it is like uh, uh making a union of uh, the ancient uh, medical sciences along with the modern technology yeah i think uh, we'll be able to easily break through all these uh, challenges and uh, definitely comply to the uh, standards set by various countries yeah and uh, it's already in the progress for example uh, for the last around 15 years a siddha product was not registered in singapore right but after 15 years for the first time we registered four products oh wow uh, with the singapore government let's just say and one more thing is uh, especially this corona has given a very good leap for uh, the ayurveda and especially the siddha industry yeah uh, that is a product called uh, kabasura kudineer uh, in fact uh, uh, which kept us very safe during this uh, corona uh, period yeah. so yeah. we registered that product in singapore it is officially sold in singapore now Wow. and uh, we are also in the process of registering it in various other uh, countries yeah and uh, the second important point is the government has started giving a very great focus for uh, ayurveda and siddha now mm. so even on the regulatory front uh, government is giving a uh, 50% subsidies for the companies who want to register their products in various uh, overseas countries yeah and uh, there are also a lot of uh, export related subsidies extended to them so definitely next 3 4 years it is going to be a golden period for ayurveda and uh, yeah. siddha and uh, it will reach at least around another 10 to 12 countries in the next 3 4 years very interesting and so it, it's really interesting to see the growth in that and it has to happen because it's to be honest um, the, the allopath is good and it's a quick fix but there are a lot of um traditional medicine has been helpful for a lot of people you know and there have been couple of cases but it is not actually the medicine is not done proper research and the data mm-hmm. is not presented that okay i have tested yeah. this particular medicine on 100 people and this was the result so 80% worked out 20% the way allopath actually represented also uh, in our traditional medicine it is not declare how much each chemical amount is there right so like if yeah. i'm like your ashwagandha it has no declaration of how much potassium magnesium etc etc is there so mm-hmm. if there is any chronic disease holder they are scared of using it even though they want to use it you know so yeah See, uh, yeah i i've said there are three major uh, areas of challenge there one is uh, as you said uh, uh, regarding this uh, clinical trials Uh, that is no proper though the clinical trial is done it is done in a uh, uh, very I mean, casual non professional yeah. way and yeah. uh, that's the one thing second thing is as you said uh, uh, the, the the drug combination is not uh, declared so at least the indian government has corrected that it has become mandatory that that the uh, the drug composition should be mentioned in the labels yeah. yeah but one uh, one challenging fact is the amount of fine chemicals or actives which are present in those herbs they are not standardized 
Right. And when you go to test that, it becomes an expensive uh, task. Mm. Even uh, uh, we had a stakeholders meeting uh, a few weeks back where we stressed these two points. One is government should provide a very strong support as far as the testing and as far as the clinical trials are uh, concerned. Yeah. And the government has agreed to that. See, when, when these two points are taken care by the government, when we receive yeah. a support from the government on this, these two segments, yeah. definitely the, the hurdles are uh, removed. Yeah, very interesting. That that shift required, and I'm pretty sure we have a great future on that sense. So that brings yeah, to yeah. my last question: What, according to you, is the impact of digital marketing on in Indian FMCG market? Uh, see, I mean, uh, it is very dynamic today. The digital marketing is very dynamic. Yeah. But the size of the Indian FMCG business is very, very, very big. Mm. And uh, when you do a comparison between the traditional FMCG segment and the digital, uh, the digital will be hardly present to an extent of around 3 to 4%. Mm. But the rate at which it is growing is really dynamic and uh, it has penetrated a lot. Like uh, even people from villages, uh, they use Amazon on Flipkart uh, quite easily. Yeah. And uh, maybe in the next 10 years period, I expect it to capture around... Uh, uh, 18 to 20 percent market share so yeah. this is the current level yeah it's internet is available in the distance um, villages as, as well yeah. and you know people are getting aware and especially this corona time actually taught a loss like yes, the kids yes. are actually getting educated so we are getting too much digi- digital these days the area which we were not interested in digital we are going due to limitations we are facing right now so i think it's going to bring a more exposure yeah. And to the definitely people. see the, the urban the urban population has already become I mean I would say addicted to the uh, digital uh, uh, marketing segment especially during the, the corona and, uh, the rural population has also uh, started having an exposure towards this uh, yeah uh, I would say that uh, the digital industry should thank corona for this yeah and uh, definitely next three four years uh, the growth of digital marketing is going to be very very fast. And one, okay. one very important thing I want to stress is uh, the platform is very fair for uh, the larger corporates and the smaller players as far as the yeah. digital marketing is concerned. Yeah. Even a very small player with a very good product, he's, he's able to give a, a fair good competition to the large corporates uh, thanks to the digital industry because of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely, this is going to give a fair ground uh, yeah. The manufacturers, according to me. Yeah, I mean, we came out of the whole industrial era. So we don't need a big factory yeah. anymore to become an entrepreneur. We need a yes, $1,000 yes. laptop and we are ready to become yeah. an entrepreneur. So we are in a different era altogether. And the exposure is tremendous. The knowledge we can actually dig in and through this Google and also that, of course, innovation and technology has facilitated us a lot to become whatever we want. Yeah. You know? So this scope is going to bring a lot of the youngsters in the market young young kids are actually coming up becoming entrepreneurs there is no limited job type style uh, that the young kids has to adopt and thanks to all this digital era so yeah yeah i'm sure fmcg will adopt soon more more and more people will be coming into that industry so any last suggestion you would like to say people who wants to come into this industry um you you have anything to say to them I mean, especially if it is more concerned to India, I would say that uh, this is a very good period. Uh, 
post corona is a very good period uh, our government has extended uh, a lot of benefits lot of supportive activities yeah uh, people from all sets of uh, uh, all sectors it may be a, a tiny industry uh, it may be a, a home driven industry or it may be a corporate they should adequately uh, they should effectively make use of the uh, benefits extended by the government yeah and uh, really this is the right time to make uh, make in india a very very successful uh, program yeah, so, yeah. Uh, this and is I, my request to the indian yeah business yeah. community yeah uh, because i uh, we do work a lot on uh, the grants provided by the government on various fronts Uh, i would say that the awareness level is still very less and uh, even many grants are going without being uh, effectively utilized mm. uh no government is taking a lot of steps to promote them among people uh, there is no proper initiation from the people to effectively make use of this so yeah. i would i would strongly request people to make use of that reap the benefits provide things at a very competitive price to the people yeah and uh, make in india a big success in the global market yeah i mean i always believe that if you really want to reach out to the mass you should reach out to the college students in india and it will reach yeah. out to the mass um if you want to yeah. educate in that sector australian governments also supports a lot in export and import grants and everything so i'm pretty sure if australian governments um, if, if people from the australian market like wining in wine industry and all ship industries there you know beef market there are a lot of things australia has to offer and it will be a good hand checking in the future so to find you all your details will be given into the below the description and they can reach you out you are active on social media i guess um yeah so i know <laughs> so you people can reach you out and they can find your details and thanks for joining in today it was really interesting conversation and i'm sure there are a lot to offer and that um, our audience will get the benefit of it uh, for sure thank you for joining in today thank you priya thank you so much